Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. This is now episode two of our off-season walkthrough tour. Our first time taking this show on the on the road, quite literally. As we told you last week, we were heading to the house of the champs, the McMaster Marauders. We sat down with some of their key figures on that championship team and had a blast doing it. So let's jump into those interviews right now. Andre Duick, quarterback from McMaster Marauders. Justice Allen, running back number four from McMaster University. Jacob Zott, McMaster Marauders, offensive lineman number 66. And you're listening to At the 55. At the 55. At the 55. So our first interview with the McMaster Marauders was with none other than their starting quarterback, Andreas Dewey. 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 Dewey Duick, just Duick. Dewey Duick, just do it. All the names. Um, Patent pending on the just Duick. Well, yeah, we're, we're, we're working tight with uh, Nike. We'll have that one uh, for you soon. But uh, no, it was great sitting down with uh, Duick, talking about the season, talking about some of his own personal uh, performance from this year. And uh, any thoughts before we play the clip? Not just another great quarterback. Um I can't wait till I find a quarterback that's willing to to run his mouth a little bit. But <laughs> another humble dude, just you know, poise. It's a champion. That's all I gotta say. That's it right there. So let's roll the tape. To my left, Dakota Vine. To his left, the Yates Cup. And to the Yates Cup's left, Mr. Andreas Duick, quarterback for the McMaster Marauders. This is the second installment of our off-season walkthrough tour, and we are here talking with some of the Marauder. Yates Cup champion players. Andreas, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, speaking of the Yates Cup champion, obviously to my left right here is the, the oldest trophy, the best trophy probably in all of Canada, definitely in all of Ontario. It's pretty big dick energy for you to bring it out. So just obviously to counteract that 2013, you know, we've been there. Zach, what do you got here? You got a little uh, ring bling 2015. There we go. I mean, it's kind of a joke that you have a ring for the Yates because it's not really, but we'll, we'll, we'll move past that. So, um, Andreas, I, when I sat down with Clay for U of T last week, um, obviously I talked about his favorite receiver, and that was kind of just me poking and stirring the pot a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you the same question, but you seem to average between yeah, 10 and 12 different targets every single game. Is that you know, part of the plan? Is that just you going through your reads? Uh, I think it's a bit of both because, uh, you know, going through my reads, um, you know, you get to different receivers, but at the same time, I know every single one of those guys needs the ball in their hands too. And, you know, they can make plays. So, you know, you want to get the ball to as many people as possible. So an interesting thing watching your team from 2018 moving into 2019 is that obviously going back two years, you started the year platooning with Jackson White. And then you seemingly won the starting spot going into the playoffs. He transfers to Western. Then you start the year and you start the spring camp of going into 2019 as the guy. What's the difference or what's it like when you have to sort of switch back and forth? You're not sure maybe week to week whether you're getting all the reps or if you're going to be the starter versus going into this year where you know every single day it's up to you. You're the quarterback. You're the man. Well, it's definitely different. Uh, I mean, I'm very thankful for what uh, I had to go through for like for the first two years, like fighting, like fighting for the job, and you know, uh, you know, competing with Jackson every day. Like that was something that I feel made me better and kind of made me realize how hard you have to work. Um, so I, you know, I look back on that and I gained. I feel like I gained a lot from that competition. Um, but then finally being able to now finally be able to come into this year and have the job was was definitely something that you know was good it was very good and to kind of piggyback off of that this past year we saw a similar thing happen at queens where it seemed like at the start of the year james keenan was getting a lot of the run at quarterback then they started working ryan lacandro and we talked about this a lot we talked about it last week with clay and some of the uft guys where not just from a quarterback perspective, but for the receivers as well, the importance of just saying, you know what, it might be tough when you have two guys perhaps of similar talents to be able to just pick one, but that at the end of the day, getting the sort of max potential out of one one guy just by investing in him, letting him know that we have all the confidence in you, that that will pay dividends. 
and we'll see with Queens whether they go with one guy or they'll keep platooning. Mm-hmm. But what do you think in, in terms of, of that, the importance of just being able to have that one guy is? I think it's very important. Uh, it also goes towards reps in practice because, you know, if you have both guys, they're sharing reps and you're not getting as much, um, you know, learning from each from each practice if your reps are cut in half. So um, just practice reps too. like having that one guy for practice reps during the week is huge. Um, so. I think it's clear to say now that you're the man at Mac. This is, you know, your team moving forward for however many years you have left. Um, and I won't get into the stats, but you had a hell of a season. Congratulations on that. Not only for the team wins, but your personal stats. Um, Zach and I always like to have, you know, not the underdog, but the, like the most underrated. Do you think that you're maybe the most underrated? And I don't want to put you in a spot where you're saying something bad, but you're maybe one of the most underrated quarterbacks because obviously you have you have Clay who was setting record numbers. Uh, Merchant also, you know, winning the the Heckrighton and obviously Trey Ford, who's doing crazy Trey Ford things. But do you see yourself as, you know, you're going in and putting consistent 350 yards a game numbers, but you weren't maybe getting the credit that you feel that you deserve? Um, I think so. But at the end of the day, I mean, this is what matters right here. So (laughs) small flex. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. I mean. I think wins are what matters. So. so now Dakota alluded to some of the other quarterbacks in the league and over this past, well, really over this past decade, there's been some incredible talent at the quarterback position in the OUA. But mm-hmm. really during your tenure, it's been amazing. You mentioned Merton's name, Sequera, Ford, even guys like Sam Gerrard out in Windsor, mm-hmm. Brett Hunchak. I'm sure there's guys that I'm even forgetting there. Hobbs obviously graduated a year ago. When... Obviously, you're not, I'm, I'm sure every moment of your life you're preoccupied with McMaster football, but when you have time to maybe check out the landscape of the OUA and see what other guys are doing, are there, uh, are there some guys that you like just checking in on or sort of seeing how they perform just based on you know, one quarterback to the other, just enjoying their, their game? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I loved watching Clay this year. I mean, he was, he was outstanding. He was, like, unreal. So, I mean... I think uh, I really enjoy watching other quarterbacks play and then going out and competing against them on, on Saturdays. I mean, that's kind of part of the the fun for me is trying to, you know, be better than the other team's cue. And, uh, you know, I enjoy I enjoy that. I, I mean, the quarterback, you know, quarterbacks in the OUA and in Canon in general are just, I feel like are getting better and better. And I think, um, you know, it's really good for the, good for the sport. I definitely agree. I think talent across the entire OUA and Canada is definitely getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just going to switch to the def- defensive side. Is there – there's a lot of great, you know, front sevens, but is there maybe one guy or two guys in particular that, you know, you're lining up under center and shotgun, you see them, and you're like, this guy's probably going to make my day a little bit a little bit uneasier. <laughs> we'll call it a living hell. Like, if he, he's probably going to get by your – you have great O-linemen, but mm-hmm. he's an extra guy you probably have to watch. Um, normally uh – Normally, not particularly. Uh, I think there's the against Calgary, um, uh, Pele or the uh, the in D tackle they had there. He was he was something else. He was you know huge and he was, he was a good player. But uh, I think for the most part, it's um, I I see schemes more more than players. So I think uh, that's yeah that's not, I'm not really looking at one guy and thinking. Yeah. Well, that, then but. on that note, is there a particular team or like a defensive coordinator that going into a week you just know? Like for me, for example, Mac was consistently a team where schematically, mm-hmm. it just you know you're just doing cartwheels in your head of trying to figure out who's coming and who's blitzing, who's dropping. So when you're scouting week to week, is there a team that you're consistently like, oh my gosh, we're gonna have to deal with all this crap again? Um, I think this year, uh, I think Ottawa, Ottawa's defense was was very good, uh, and there and scheme wise, you know, they brought a lot of pressure, and uh, you know, they they were probably the team that was most similar to our defense throughout the season. They kind of ran the most similar things, uh, and then I mean, if we're talking about this year, I mean, York York gave us fits. That was. Not, I not like they a definitely had game, an underappreciated defense. Yeah, and for 100%. me especially because I talk the most shit about York. <laughs> they de- I feel like they definitely had an underappreciated defense. It was just their offense I disliked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. But yeah. So now, you get the Yates Cup win. 
guys travel out to Calgary. Unfortunately, the season ends there. Now, sticking with the West Coast connection, or at least west of Ontario, you're from Winnipeg originally, correct? Mm -hmm. So just can you tell us a little bit about your decision to come to McMaster, go out of province? Um, well, I kind of wanted to uh, like kind of get away and you know do something, uh, do something on my own and try and grow from that. So uh, you know, when recruiting, McMaster reached out to me very early. Like they were one of the first teams to start recruiting me. So uh, and I came on a visit. Uh, I really liked you know the facilities, the campus, um, the coaches. They kind of had a. a they have a, kind of a legacy of having some pretty good quarterbacks here too and some you know they're one of the best you know teams in the country so for me at least I wanted to go to you know a really good program and for me I thought uh, Mac was you know better choice than uh, U of M and uh, yeah so I wanted to yeah I kind of wanted to you know yeah, I, I find that's like a, that. a big thing for kids coming out of high school where it's the mentality of and obviously I think you made the right decision in the end where they come from a program where they're probably winning every game and they decide, and no offense to U of T, but you know, people decide, you know, do I go to U of T and I can start right now and impact right now, but I probably won't win games. Or for you, do I go there and compete and maybe not really get my chance to shine until my third or fourth year? Mm -hmm. And I guess that's a, the tough decision, but for you, obviously it worked out in the <laughs> end and you got a, a big season coming up next season as well. Yeah. So <clears throat> a few more questions. and. When you talk about McMaster, a big part of the allure, as you kind of mentioned, is about the program legacy and the stability there. Mm -hmm. So I have kind of a two-part question here. One, what was the atmosphere in the locker room like when you guys got word that Coach Potastic was coming back? And B, and you know, answer this as much as you feel comfortable with, when the Greg Knox thing happened last year, you guys obviously responded quite, well, not vocally, but quite obviously with that Carlton game taking the decals off the helmet so clearly not happy with the decision by the university mm -hmm. so what was it like going into that playoff game going into that offseason with what happened to Knox and then of course the turnaround then realizing that Potasic's coming in well that whole season was kind of tough I mean him getting uh kind of let go halfway through the season and then us not knowing anything of what was going on was uh was tough and us trying to figure out like just organizational like organization wise like what is happening was uh something that really kind of threw i think everyone for a loop and then you know it was just and knox being someone that everyone in the locker room kind of looked up to and you know we knew that you know his work ethic and how much he put into this program um it was tough for us to see but uh you know then you know knowing potassic was coming back uh personally i i never really you know talk to him or like I knew of him I didn't know you know how he was going to be but uh you know all the older guys being recruited by him uh you know they were you know all pretty pretty positive about it so you know I was I was looking forward to it and obviously you know it made uh you know I enjoy I love the season you know playing under him and you know he ended up being a great great coach for us so you know I was super happy with it so now <clears throat> now moving into this year do you have any personal goals? Clearly, this speaks for itself and a repeat and then perhaps some more hardware at the semi Like actually, actually getting to a point where you deserve to win a ring? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Do you have any personal goals outside of, as I said, obviously wanting to now push forward, perhaps win at the semi-national or of course bring home another Vanier but then for you personally any goals that you're looking to achieve this year uh I mean no not really I don't uh I don't think so I think the one goal that you know myself and everyone else on this team has is you know winning another one of these and winning a Vanier and going farther and you know being able to push past that national semifinals. we kind of got a taste of got a taste of what uh you know, a, a Vanier Cup winning team looks like in the, in that national semifinal game. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, I think that was very good for us. And we have a lot of guys returning. So I think, you know, the one goal on all our minds is, is that Vanier Cup. Now, I think 
we had kind of talked about going into this year that you guys were maybe a bit of a dark horse in that people weren't really talking about Mac going into this year. Clearly going into the 2020 season, you guys have a massive target on your back. Does that change the approach you guys take knowing that you're not going to sneak up on anybody? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I think, you know, um, at least since I've been here, you know, Mac kind of has that, uh, you know, Mac just generally gets slept on, I feel like. And, if, you know, I think we all kind of take in that, uh, are going to take in, you know, that same mentality that we've gone into the other seasons with and that, you know, we're out for everyone. And I don't think, I don't think we're going to be playing like, like we're better than anyone, but even if you guys are better than everyone, <laughs> look, I'm I'm from Western, and I'm saying that you guys kind of were the Raptors for the Warriors. Maybe just knocked off a dynasty a little bit. They got a lot of players leaving, and you know, you guys were always just nipping at their heels and respectfully nipping at their heels. You know, mm-hmm. all credit to Mac, but now I think you guys are definitely going into next year being the team to beat. Obviously, mm-hmm. as the champion, but even more so from there. And clearly, you guys are the champs. You're going to look for the repeat, look for all the success on the personal level, looking to push further towards the Vanier. And we at the 55 will be pulling for you guys for the most success. So thank you so much, Andreas, for joining us here today, for having us here in your home <laughs> here at the University of the Master. Thank you so much. Gates, thank anything you. to say? Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Once again, that was Andreas Duick, quarterback for the McMaster Marauders, the champion McMaster Marauders, uh, as you mentioned going into it, much like our experience with Clay from last week, uh, super humble guy. Uh, we definitely tried to get him to boast Just a little bit. Flex on him a little bit, though. We, you know, we dropped we dropped some <laughs> rings and some medals on him. You know, had to hit him with some of the bling bling. Uh, I loved getting to talk to him about the situation last year when they had him platooning with Jackson White and the difference for him coming into this year all the way back in their spring camp where Duick was the guy and the confidence that gave him and, and the reps. And we've obviously talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast and just together uh, about the role for not only the quarterback's confidence, but the receivers around him of having the one guy and just letting him gain confidence, not only in himself, but the confidence of the men around him having to work in concert together. So that was, that was really cool insight getting to get into into that a little bit but of course this team wouldn't win a championship solely on the back of Andreas Duick it takes many more weapons than just one man and we have two more of those we got a big boy coming up you feeling good about interviewing a big boy oh you know what the pressure was definitely on much like the pressure was on you talking to one of your former players uh I don't know did you feel any pressure at all trying to not nah, talking to him no it was, it was nothing just you know just old friends reminiscing well I guess we'll just continue with this little shroud of mystery that we're creating here and just cut into our next interview with two unknown McMaster Marauder players. (laughs) Continuing with our stop here at the University of McMaster on the off-season walk-through tour, joining us right now we have running back Justice Allen, offensive lineman Jacob Zod. Thank you boys for joining us here today. Thank you, it's a privilege. Thank you for having us. So first off, congratulations on the Yates Cup. Must be ecstatic finishing off the decade with the championship. How's the offseason been so far? Get a little celebration in, or are you back, all back into the weight room now? Um, just back into the weight room. Took a week off after the season and just grinding through everything and just starting to get ready for a CFL draft in the spring. Yeah, definitely. I mean, after winning a Yates, it's kind of like, you know what, we did it, and we have, more to, like, we have more to grow from there. So we you know, took some time off, probably a week or maybe about a week or two, you know, celebrated pretty hard, and then back into things, back in the gym, back into school. Um, obviously, you know, Yates is great. The season maybe didn't end exactly how you wanted to with it ending in Calgary. Um, Justice, this is for you just because we have a little bit of history with coaching. Is this the biggest championship for you? Or, the, we, you know, we got the high school city finals. We have OFSA. You obviously won with the Etobicoke Eagles as well. You won the Yates here. Like, and no offense to OUA, but you can be honest here. Which yeah. is the, the biggest for you personally? Biggest for me personally? Um Especially with Offsa and the Eagles, you know, That's you had you to play quarterback. Yeah. That's tough. Teams. I honestly would have to say biggest biggest championship would have to definitely be the OUA. Biggest championship game I've played in, probably gonna have to say the summer game, Eagles. Just because of the organization, what like the organization had to go through to get that to that point, the players that I've played with to get to that point, and then 
to finally end, you know, the OVFL, like, the league kind of on that high note and winning that with, uh, you know, with your boys that you grow up with from day one. So. I mean, I was hoping off so when we had to come back from, like, 30 points <laughs> or whatever, but... I mean, that, that works, too. We played a Sault Ste. Marie team. Like, we were supposed, we were supposed <laughs> to win that game. Fair enough. All right, so, Jacob, I want to direct this one towards you because we have Mr. Allen here, more of a speed, quick back. You guys are graduating Jordan Lyons, who's more of a downhill runner. And then, as well, a huge pleasant surprise, at least for us watching you guys. I don't know if Tavian Shan was a surprise, the production he put in, but also more of, a, like, a quicker back. What's the difference for you when you're up front and you're blocking, they're calling plays, and you know it's either Lions in the backfield or Allen or Shan. Does that change your approach at all? Honestly, it doesn't change my approach at all because I know that the five of us all working together, we're going to go just block our assignment and get movement downfield every single play. And like each one of the backs we have back there can make a play downfield. And even when we have Dewey running the football, like he, he makes plays. So, yeah, just. First of all, we have to start calling him Dewey now. Oh, yeah. that's, yeah. The, can we work in, like, some kind of Dewey Decimal system? Is that? Okay, I took it too far. It's already ruined. You're, you're always trying okay. to go with uh, puns. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going <laughs> to ju jump back to the eights. Obviously, it ended amazingly for you. As a Western alumnus, not so great for me. But um, it didn't start off amazing. Um, and, yeah, I have to, we have to talk about what's going through your head. You know, that, that first drive, you fumbling the ball, Western picking it up there. You know, you guys knew going in, obviously, Western's the powerhouse. I'm sure the coaches said we can't make any of these mistakes. And then, the yeah, right away. Uh, yeah, right away, actually. It was the very first play. Um, kind of just it was a run play. Just kind of ran off, broke a few tackles, and the ball just kind of slipped out of my hands. Uh, but, yeah, definitely when you play Western, it's you have the mentality because you know what they, the damage they can do. And way you're playing TD Stadium, it's a tough place to play. And you put the ball down on the turf on the very first play of the game, my head was my head was spinning. I didn't know where I wanted to be. I didn't want to play the game anymore. Like, you kind of, like, in, between, in our red zone, you think, you know what, they're going to score. And I just cost that game for us. Like, the game is over. But uh, funny enough, first, like, we came to, went to the sideline, and Coach P was honestly said, it's okay to make mistakes. We're going to make them this game. Like, that wasn't our only mistake. And then, you know, turn the ball over two more times in the first two drives, <laughs> and uh, it worked out. <laughs> and, and obviously it's such a cliche to say football is a four-quarter game, and it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And obviously later in that game you were back on that same – in that same side of the field, same red zone, and this time you're going the other direction, punching into the end zone. Does that kind of make it feel a little better? We saw you running to the sideline a little yeah. – very happy, we'll say. It was pretty hype uh, after that. But uh, – you honestly, you don't think you don't think about that when you're running. Like you kind of just, you know what? I have to get this in. The play was called. My number was called, and I was like, all right, so I have to make up for this. You know, I put the ball on the turf. Now it's time to put it in the end zone. And you know, running behind this guy is not that bad. So, <laughs> so I actually want to real quick go back a year ago to the 2018 season. We talked with Dewey a little bit about this as well. <laughs> so midway through the season, the whole controversy with coach Knox comes out he's no longer with the team you guys finish up the year make playoffs travel down to Carlton and as me and at the time my podcast partner Eddie Meredith joked about a McMaster looking team wearing all maroon but no marauder decals or anything took the field and fortunately lost to McMaster so uh, pardon me to Carlton so as much as you feel comfortable can you talk a little bit about the sort of feeling around the locker room, the team's decision to make such a bold statement in removing the decals, clearly in protest of the university's decision. But then also later on in the offseason when you found out that Coach Potaska was coming back, how that all played in with just your thoughts about the season. I think just with us taking off the decals, it was just like we wanted to show that we were the only people we knew we could count on at the time because that's how we felt. Um, and then after the season ended and just seeing the work that everyone like in the periphery and getting Coach P back to the program did, like, I think it kind of helped us realize that, you know, some bad stuff did happen in that season. And obviously, like, we made a mistake, like, taking off the decals. It wasn't like a great move by us or anything, but we just wanted to do something to show that we're going to play for each other and just bring us tighter together as a unit, which is something I think that helped us grow together as a football family and really helped us like stay tight in that Yates Cup game where we had the three turnovers to start off. And we're just like, yeah, we can accomplish anything together. 
and then when the news came that it was Potassic that was going to be coming back, I imagine there was quite a bit of excitement in the locker room. I, I know for you, Jacob, he would have been the one to have recruited you just as I... Not yeah, to, yeah, he would have recruited me as well. Right, and so obviously this is the guy that you choose to go play for in making your decision to go to Mac. He obviously takes a you know, coaching job in the CFL, makes his way out west. Obviously I have to respect his decisions there, but then when he comes back, that must have been an incredible moment for you guys. Yeah, honestly, I was just super fired up just to see where the program was going to head and everything. And I knew we were returning like almost every single one of our starters from the year before. So just excited to have a full offseason under our belt and just like a fresh start almost on a new year. Yeah. I'll go for it. <laughs> um, just just on the note of how he recruited both of you. Um, and again, answer this as comfortably as you want to. You guys are both obviously from Toronto. You from ECI. You from Humberside, which is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I went to Western Tech, so for some reason I've been your your rival school the whole time. Um, what is it about like McMaster that brought you in, and perhaps something that maybe Toronto schools are lacking when it comes to the inner city talent? Like Toronto has obviously you guys, you guys both play for the Eagles. There's unbelievable talent within the city, except it always seems to escape and go either to the East Coast or to, you know, Western, mm -hmm. Mac, stuff like that. What is it about Mac that brought you in and maybe, like, give some advice to Toronto and York to <laughs> keep your kids in the city? Um, I think, I mean, my first game, my first time getting recruited was actually with Zot. Um, Coach Frank from McMaster uh, came to our game at Father Henry Carr, and we were playing uh, Halton Cowboys. First play of the game, Zot pancaked somebody, and I cut it back to his side, scored, and after the game he came up to us and – you know, he's really personable and, you know, he kept contact with us every other week, you know, a few days in a row after that for a couple of months, for me, like a year or two. Um, and it just, McMaster felt like it was just home. It felt like family. Um, it's far enough away from Toronto where it feels like I'm on my own, but, you know, it's 45 minutes, half an hour down the road. Um, advice I can give out to any Toronto teams, like... I don't know, it's, it's too hard for some, some guys to get in that school, you know? Like, you have all the talent. Like, me and Zot could have gone there, but for some other guys, like, you know, they just don't have the academic marks to get into that school. So, I mean, there's not much football can do to lower that, but if anything, those, like, those coaches and scouts, first of all, you need a consistent coaching staff. I mean, that's good, you know? You don't want, <laughs> you don't want new OCs every year. Um, but then, you know, the scouts got to come out to games and be present and, you know, just get personal with the players and families. Biggest thing? Yeah, like for me, when I was talking with Coach P during my recruiting process, he always told me just make sure you make a 40 year decision, not a four year decision. And just something that's going to, because football is going to end at some point for all of us. And you have to make sure that you're set up for the rest of your life. So that was really big for me. And then I even reached out to like some of the UFT coaches and stuff and tried sending them some film and just trying to go on visits or something just because I'm from Toronto and at the time I wanted to get into engineering but just never really heard too much from them. And I was just like, okay, well, McMaster's the first school that recruited me and everything. And that was really big. And that, just that same sense of home. Yeah, so like when, when we even ask people, it's, it's one where you guys got recruited at a very young age, right? Like I, you, I think you were in grade 10 yeah. or something like that. Yeah, grade 10, yeah. I think the big thing that I've heard a lot when I've been talking to kids about why they went to or why they didn't go to U of T is that, you know, a lot of the recruits just seem very distant you know they're not they don't actually try and keep in touch they see people as products and this is not a trip at all to U of T or York or anything like that but they just kind of see you as products and like you were saying you were reaching out to them you were showing your interest and they were kind of giving you a little bit of a cold shoulder whereas you know other schools Western Mac stuff like that they stay in touch with you the I like the 40-year decision not a four-year decision which shows that a coach can actually shows some care for you and it's not just I want you here for four years let's see what you can do for me then you're out he's like I want you to make the best decision for you yeah and if max that for both football and academics and your future then do that but yeah no I just I'm always curious as to why Toronto kids obviously yeah, I got U of T the grades have to be higher I don't know I think anyone can kind of get into York um, but <laughs> we know I have beef with York we, we know this <laughs> but just yeah the reason that there's so many talented kids in Toronto and even the Brampton area and they all just end up leaving I think like the other thing too is that McMaster and like a lot of the other universities are really nice because it's just like a small campus that's like very secluded from like everything else in the city. Uh, like you go like around campus, it's all student housing and stuff. But if, 
a school like U of T, you have University of Toronto, Mississauga, University of Toronto, like Scarborough, and then the downtown campus. And for students that can't get into the downtown campus and they're commuting every single day for practice from Mississauga or Scarborough, that's a lot of time. Like that's an hour and a half each way, you know, just just in commuting. And then the aspect of family's not there because the city's so big. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. So Justice, firstly, the way you describe your decision coming to Mac, very much like why I went to Guelph, where you're far enough away to feel like you have that independence, but yeah. you're still really close to home. But now in telling that story of the two of you getting recruited the game at Henry Carr playing Halton, you mentioned Mr. Zott pancaking, uh, well, I'm sure more than just one guy. So I'm actually going to direct this towards you, Jacob, just as an offensive lineman towards another, uh, even though I don't look <laughs> like an offensive lineman anymore. I swear I played it at one point in my life. You look like a halfback on yeah. the defensive side. Um, there gets to a point in the game, especially if you're going up against the same guy, when, especially if you guys are pounding the rock, when you know, oh, I've broken this guy. Like mentally, maybe physically, when it's like, this guy does not want to line up against me, and you can just tell you've almost sucked the will to play out of this guy. You got socks on? <laughs> um, what's the sort of, uh, what's the feeling for you when you're just beating up a guy all game long and you what's the realization in your mind where you're like this guy doesn't want to step in front of me anymore honestly you just can't stop I think that's like the realization for me is you just got to keep going because you show one ounce of weakness and they can come right back and get you you know like the very next play or anything and you just keep going and you keep playing right to the whistle every single play and you know that at the end of the day the ball's going to end up running right behind you and you're going to end up making plays for your team and helping protect quarterbacks so you can make plays to wide receivers and protect running backs so they can get big gains. So on that note, and we've been asking a lot of the guys we're interviewing similar questions, are there any individual players that you go up against that are perhaps that you, you think are the, the best D linemen, or is there a front seven in the OUA that you think, and you can't say your own, uh, is there a front seven that you think is the, uh, the stoutest competition that you go up against week after week that you know that you really have to get ready for a dogfight? Honestly, for Western for sure, as well as Guelph, um, both of them are D lines that you go against and you're like, yeah, it's going to be a fight this week and we're going to have to play 60 minutes of heart smash mouth football mm. uh, in order to win this game. Uh, Ken Miller, he's really, really good D tackle for Western as well as Tony Rossi. And I've had some really good battles with both of them and chatted with them both a bit off the field and just nice guys and everything off the field. But just knowing that it's going to be a battle with them and then Greg Corfield and um, number 97, I forget his name off the top of my head. Oh, is that Elaine? Yeah, yeah. Elaine Simakenda. Um, Who's the other guy on the other side? Number 94. Oh, Tavius. Yeah. yeah. We're sitting down with both of them today. Yeah. 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 Um, Tavius. But just, <laughs> but yeah, just both of them, like, really, really good defensive mm -hmm. tackles. And you know you're going to be up for a battle because they, they have a full arsenal, like, on both of those defensive lines, which I think is, like, really goes to show why their defenses have been so consistent over the past couple of years, always being one of the top defenses in the league. And now, for Justice, for you, not looking at other defenses, but are there other running backs or just skill position guys on the offensive side of the ball on other teams that you enjoy watching or just following their stats to kind of either compete with or just sort of checking in on? Uh, I looked at a bit of uh, Trey Humes from Western, just because, you know, like, we kind of look the same. He wears my number. Um, he wears, let's go on, just for the record, he wears your number. He wears my okay, number. Gotcha. We're, the, we're the champs. He wears my number. <laughs> All right. um, so yeah, but, like, no, great guy. I like the way he runs and the style. He has these, like, quick little feet that I don't have. I'm more of, like, a one cut back. But he can, like, chop his feet, and I kind of want that into my game. So, you know, you watch other players every week. You know, you study film on them. So, you know, why not pick up a few things from them that you can incorporate into your own game? Definitely. So, Justin, you're going into your fourth year now. Yeah. You just finished your first complete season. Yeah. First, coming, coming first year. Off, coming off an injury. So now, and we got Lions leaving. So it's fairly easy to say that you're probably going to be the premier back. Knock on wood, hopefully. You know, hopefully, obviously yeah. you, they, they do a little bit of a committee with backs at, at Mac. But full first season, coming off an injury. You're going into your fourth season. Um, I know where he's going with this. Why are you so dumb and hurtling so much that you're going to cause yourself injury? Jacob, do you not get mad when he does these stupid things? Because like, it's, it's, it's been years of it. 
it, it's been <laughs> it's been years of it and I, like we said i've played with justice since grade 10 so that's like eight years eight or seven years now yeah and it's been a long time just kind of used to it like but our, our coach is not in in it's in it's 50 percent a joke because i always tease you every game i see you hurtling but at a certain point are you not are the coaches not saying hey maybe you know, don't do that. Let's just step out of bounds, or let's just lower the shoulder, or something. Yeah, like that. I mean, uh, never step out of bounds. Actually, uh, we stay <laughs> we stay off the drag strip. That's what Coach Grant calls it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. I just sometimes I just jump because I'm feeling myself. Um, <laughs> if it's the third play in the game, it's the third play of the game. If, if it happens against Guelph twice, that's okay. If I go one for four on the season for hurdles, that's okay too. Like, I'm just having fun out there playing football with my friends and the guys. So like. Coaches have told me a few times, like, you know, maybe you can just run around them or drop your shoulders. So sometimes you incorporate that. I think I knew after the, the second time at maybe ECI when I was coaching you that I'm like, he's not going to listen to me on this yeah. stuff. Like, he, I may be able to teach him how to run some routes, but he's not going to listen to me when it comes to hurdling. So I'm just going <laughs> to give up and just make fun of him. I'll, I'll take the advice, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to listen to he's it. Like, he's like, I understand I shouldn't hurdle. I'm going to do it. I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to do it. It looks cool. It feels cool, too, <laughs> it, you know? It does feel kinda cool. Kind of levitate. Um, and with that, you obviously, you're people see you as a speed back you you can have the ability to power through those holes and lower the shoulders sometimes lowering the head maybe don't do that so much um and what a lot of people don't know about football is there is constant trash talk going on throughout the game are there specific guys or maybe specific chirps that you've heard when you you know lowered the boom on someone and you are allowed to swear on this podcast but maybe, okay yes <laughs> fuck 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 yeah you can. um yeah are there specific you know, a specific game that where a guy was maybe a little chirpier than he should have been, and so you had to maybe lower the shoulder on him. No, I think most most guys in the OUA are pretty respectful for the most part. Um, you know, you kind of just if you hear it, you kind of just walk away and keep my mouth guarded and don't say anything. But maybe get pushed into a bench on a sideline. Yeah, I don't like no the Guelph guys. You know, just the Guelph guys. You know, you just don't like them. <laughs> so if even if they don't say anything, you know, I'm still gonna lower the shoulder on you. I'm still gonna put my head into your stomach, like. You go to Guelph, like sorry. It's the yeah, it's the well. Make, we, we were saying this before with. Uh, with I can with, leave with, like, with Dewey. Is that the McMaster Guelph is like a bigger rivalry than people really take it? Because obviously oh, yeah. Mac and Western are huge, and that's there's a big history on that. Yeah. But I think recently in the last five, ten years or so, Guelph and Mac are definitely, you know, bigger rivals than people really take into consideration. Yeah, it's, I'd say it's definitely a pretty big rivalry. You know, like, you see Guelph on the calendar, you know you're going to play them every single year, and you know it's going to be a tough game. Usually like, week one, too. Yeah. yeah it's going to be, like, a 15-12 to 12 game or something yeah. Yeah. like that. Yeah, like, just them coming here. I think a few years ago, I'm pretty sure they beat us on our homecoming and uh, before I came here. And then my second year, we went there. We beat them on their homecoming. Uh, pretty decisive. So yeah, Especially pretty, when they uh, want to parachute the ball from the sky. Yeah. Yeah. You guys pair. My first year. Yeah. You guys buy rings for each cups and parachute balls down. What is Guelph doing? You get, and you lose. It's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. <laughs> is winning part of the plan? How about spend your money? How about you spend some money on Febreze so your town doesn't smell like manure? All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, come the spring. Once it all, once the snow melts, it does smell like manure. That is that is factual. It's gross. Uh, you know what? It is what it is. <laughs> but talking about this McMaster program. And we were kind of getting into a little bit, and it's been a fun talking point with the 2010s coming to a close. If we look at team of the decade, just this past decade, not, not two 20 decades, years. Not, I mean, saying maybe McMaster's the team of the 21st century does sound really cool, but just looking at the <laughs> 2010s, in talking about who the team is of that decade, Western is seemingly the obvious pick, just because you look at the number of times they made the Yates Cups, Vannies, everything like that. But I think there is an argument for you guys. And ultimately, I still, I still give them the, the, the nudge over you for first. But they go to eights, pardon me, eight Yates, and they win half of them. Whereas you guys go to four, and you win all of them. I think my math's right on that. You it's guys, like LeBron versus Jordan. A little bit like that. Um, and obviously, and then they go to, well, we just went over this, they go to three Vanniers, win one. You guys go to... No, McMaster went to three Vanniers. Western went to two. Right. You guys go to three Vanniers, win the one. They, Western goes to two, wins the one. How do you guys see the program? Obviously, you guys play a big part in it, but obviously the players that were before you having their role as well, guys like Quinlan, uh, you know, I'm, well, let's and, stick and, with that. And does it hurt that Western won their Vanier in Hamilton? Ooh. That's all you, man. You're, you're, you're the McMaster historian here? Um... 
I don't know, like the venue just happens wherever it happens. I don't think it hurts like that they that they, that they wanted it in Hamilton, you know. Um, but I, I definitely think that there's a pretty good argument to be had uh, for who the best team of the decade is. Uh, just because both programs and like you see like with the Yates Cups wins for both programs and then just the Vanier wins in the decade, both teams having won. I think like it's just it's a tight rivalry and I think it's definitely going to shape up to be a really good rivalry for the next 10 years for sure. Just on, on that note, and I hate to say it, but I say it with Dewey too, I think you guys are now that team. Um, one from players graduating, but also there has been a decline since that 2018 Vanier Championship for Western with their team. They're still, again, they went 8-0 and and they only lost you guys, so I can't discredit them that much, especially since I went there. But I think you guys are now, despite the fact that you guys won the 8th, you are now the team to beat. I think going into this season, you know, as Zach likes to say, you guys have that target on your back. Is there, is there more to that? It's not just there's a Guelph rivalry, there's a Western rivalry, it's now everyone's coming for Mac. I think, and we, we all talked about this, and we all find that it's really surreal that we, we won a Yates Cup for a lot of us coming into the program three, four, two years ago. Um, and after the season we had the year before, uh, losing in the quarterfinals that to win the Yates Cup uh, and then go out west to play Calgary and sadly lose to them. Just realizing that there's so much more to then watch Calgary win the Vanier um, and just like how much better we need to get over this offseason and how much work still needs to be done. Like, I don't think any of us think that the hay's in the barn. So if anyone wants to come and take this Yates Cup away from yeah, us, they better, they better be ready to fight. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. And you know what? I didn't have the courage to pick you guys over Western in the Yates going into it, but Dakota can back me up on this. When the two teams took the field, I had a good hunch you guys were gonna win because you and your boys up front weren't wearing sleeves and a lot of the Western alignment were wearing sleeves. And to me, that's, that's, that's no good, that's no good. You gotta be out there in the minus 10, minus 15, whatever it is. You know, maybe you throw on the Vaseline. I don't know if you guys do, do that you, technique. Do you Vaseline your arms? No. A, that actually helps keep an the- old school technique. I know, I know it's an old school technique, but like we're chewing <laughs> nails on this O-line, man. I, I'm telling you. I love it even more. So like I said, I didn't have it in me to pick you guys. I definitely liked seeing that, which definitely made me uh, think you guys. Had I told a good uh, shot. in pregame. I told the other centers when we were warming up. I'm like, uh, looked over at the Western O line and like the centers and stuff snapping. And I'm like, they're all wearing sleeves. We're winning this football game, That's and I, I knew right then that like we were gonna have the edge because we wanted it more. And like most of the guys on our team, like none of us were wearing sleeves. Like we were we were ready to fight and we were gonna win that game. It's crazy how much of a mental game football really is. Yeah, for, for how physical and crazy the game. There's so much mental that goes into it. Um, this is this is my last question. I'm sure Zach has some more. Uh, I think it was two or three years ago. The like the championship theme song was like Mo Bamba. Then the year that you know the Philadelphia Eagles won the NFL at the Super Bowl, uh, it was the Meek Mill song. Was there like a, a song that you guys have been playing? You know, maybe after every win or leading up to this, because I feel like every team kind of has their their song. I mean, we have our songs, but I think there was one song that we played. We didn't. We didn't play it like just before we went out or anything, but like it was on every day on repeat. Um, it was Dior uh, by Pop Smoke. Yeah, I can't say that I know that, but I'll, I can't I'll say I know that one. We but we had another like we had another song that was made specifically for us for for that Yates Cup. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was made by one of the guys on the team's brother who who's a rapper, and yeah, he made a Lost nice it. little nice little rap song for us. Did, anyone, did either of you guys get your name dropped in it? Or? Uh, we had uh, Tommy's name dropped in it, Dewey's name dropped in it. Cumber. Cumber, yeah. yeah. But not you guys. No, not us. No. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I mean, I, I expect that an O-lineman is not going to get his name dropped, but like, that's got to stay. Man, if an O-lineman's getting his name dropped, he must be doing something <laughs> really, really right <laughs> or only, really, really wrong. The only position that doesn't actually have true stats. Yeah, oh, yeah I have a tackle on the air, so I'm good. Max Guy <laughs> has a few fumble recoveries. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Those aren't good fumbles. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, if, for as much as I don't want to have to defend us having the rings for our Yates, I will say this, that the, to Dakota's question, the big song, one of the big songs in the locker room for us was when it was the Drake Future mashup and we had big rings playing the locker room. Okay. So I think it was kind of fitting that we went that route either way. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I don't know about that. We'll slide off that as, one. As then. someone who doesn't even deserve a 2013 OUA Yates medal, <laughs> I don't have a leg to stand on, but I'd rather not have a leg to stand on than have a dumbass ring like that. Well, <laughs> it's pretty sweet. I'll, I'll keep my officer rings from coaching and my OFC rings from, from London. You still have the officer hat? Yeah, it's like dirty. 
it's fine. Yeah, I lost mine. Yeah. It's like it was my gym hat. It's gross now. Nice. Connor's is 100% mine. Anyway. Fuck. <laughs> but, uh, you know, from speaking for Dakota as a Western player and for a Guelph player, despite the rivalries there, no matter how strong they've been, and I've been in my fair share of fights with you guys, I know we were both so happy seeing you guys win the championship, and we will no doubt be pulling for you guys going into not only this year, but into the 2020s to see who, and like Dakota said, I think you guys have a good shot of coming out as the team of the 2020s. And it starts with you guys being on this team. Well, assuming that you guys are back, obviously draft year for you, Jacob, we'll see what comes of that. And, um, but no matter what, we'll be pulling for you guys and hoping for the best for this program moving forward. Yeah, thank you so Appreciate much. Appreciate it. And yeah. thanks for having us here in uh, here at McMaster. And uh, we'll be cheering for you guys, okay? Thanks Sounds for coming. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. So as you just heard, that was Dakota and I speaking with Justice Allen and Jacob Zott. Justice, of course, as we talked about, your former player coaching here in Toronto, or I guess more specifically in Etobicoke. How did, was it surreal for you at all, this kid that you coached at such a young age, now seeing him a champion at the OUA level, and now – you sitting down with him as a host of this podcast trying to get what like that must have been a, I, I don't know a weird I don't thing. know if surreal would be the right word first of all he's always been a champion um the first year I coached him we obviously you know we won the city championships and won won offsa and then with the eagles going off and, and winning the championship there um him and I used to talk when he was you know deciding between mac and you know like like we've talked about before with players going in kind of coming in as a starter right away at U of T and realizing, you know, you may not win games. And for him, I had to sit down and talk with him. He'll probably deny it, but just saying, you know, you're not going to go and have that big, huge role right away, but, you know, you're going to have to be on a team that's going to win a championship. And we used to talk about, you know, how I think it was last year, the 2018, we were saying, you know, this is year you guys are going to win. You know, he's coming off that, that leg injury. Um, so no, I, I don't, I wouldn't say it was surreal. I, I would say, you know, I'm a little bit surprised it took him three years to win that Yates. <laughs> um, I'm very excited for him next year, obviously, uh, being that premier back now. Um, I say expect big things from not only him, but for all of McMaster. 100%. And specifically talking about Justice, no doubt his success will very much depend on whether Mr. Zott returns to McMaster pending, of course, the upcoming CFL draft, you know, when we watch these guys every week and even getting to see them on game day when we went to a couple of the Mac games and you see them in the pads, one guy doesn't necessarily stand out amongst the rest because they all look like massive dudes. Um, and as someone who at one point in my life was a fairly large human or and at the very I'm least st- I'm still not sure you were an O lineman. I think yeah, they they burned the tape, so I don't know if we'll ever actually get the, the, the truth on that. Maybe I just made it all up. But getting to actually see him in person, that guy is a big dude. And I know in doing some research about him, trying to look through his some of his Instagram pages, trying to find some dirt on him, the man can move some big weight. So obviously their success next year and of course specifically justices will depend on Jacob's status, but if he sticks in the draft I'm sure everyone at McMaster will be so happy for him and if he comes back I'm sure they'll still be all happy because no doubt if they send him back for an extra year in university happens all the time and doesn't mean he won't still get a shot at the CFL but as the theme has been with many of these guys so far super humble guy and uh, it was kind of cool with the two Toronto guys getting a little bit of the perspective their perspective on something we talked a little bit about with some of the U of T guys which is uh, something that we've seen over our lives growing up here in Toronto and being part of the football scene, which is Toronto schools, so U of T in New York, of course, keeping kids in Toronto, Toronto kids, that is, in Toronto. And so getting a bit of uh, Jacob and Justice's uh, rationale for picking McMaster, which, I mean, you don't need to justify it too much if you want to go play football. McMaster is obviously an incredible school testament from this last year. But that was a wicked interview. And we have one last piece of content. Dakota, uh, you sat down with second-year player, first-year dressing defensive back, Josh Cumber. Uh, do you want to tell, give the people a little bit of a, a preview of how this all came to be? I know we talk, you talked about it in the interview, 
But do you want you want to set it up a little bit here? Yeah, uh, quick story. First of all, Josh Cumber, great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, before I had never actually spoken to him until this actual interview. I was talking with Justice, and I was saying I'd love to have him on. Obviously, you know, might razz him a little bit, and I'm hoping he can dish it back out. And he did. You know, what what's the word? My biggest fear is going into one of these interviews is when we make jokes. If they're like, no, nah, it's not funny, and then you're kind of like, okay, go fuck yourself, because um, I'm funny. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, but no, Josh Comer, great guy. Uh, obviously, you know, his name was, was in the was in the spotlight uh, beginning of the season, those three picks early on, mm-hmm. uh, especially because he's new to the scene. Uh, when you and I were at the Yates Cup, once we finally moved out of the McMaster zone, I don't know why we sat there, uh, you know, we sat, we sat behind uh, two passionate McMaster fans, and, you know, I was, I was feeling myself a little bit, talking a little bit of smack. <laughs> all all logical you know you know as you always do it's all logic you know um and then when when josh Comer got his interception i made a comment in passing saying you know that was pass interference i you know he hauled down brett and when we go to western i'm gonna ask brett what he thought <laughs> uh, was that pass interference that. and you know the guy turned around said a few things turns out you know that was josh Comer's dad uh the beef is squashed by the way you know you know, we follow each other on socials now. Uh, he's my boy. What up, Dave? Um, <laughs> I hope you're, hope you're enjoying this one. But no, let's just you know get into the interview. Yeah, definitely. Though, though, the one thing I'll say before we jump into the interview is that this was an interview that has a bit of a, a, a video content focus, so you won't get the entire interview here on the podcast. But you can check out the full thing on our YouTube channel. Uh, just go find our page at the 55 and you'll be able to see the whole thing and see some of Dakota and Josh's fun reactions to uh, to what they had to say. But here is the interview. This is going to be a special segment. Um, as our listeners know, I like to talk a lot of shit, but I'll never back down and I want to do it face to face. So I'm sitting here with second year. First of all, I thought you were first year. Yeah. First year eligibility, right? Yeah. This is uh, Josh Cumber. Uh, defensive back for McMaster Rodgers. Thank you for sitting down with me. Anytime. And bringing the Yates. Yeah. Um, so my first question is, um, why doesn't your dad like me? Uh, man, I'm, I'm going to put that one on him. I, that wasn't your, uh, your shit-talking prowess. I think he just made the, <laughs> the wrong decision of sitting in the western side at the Yates. Uh, for those that, that don't know, when uh, Zach and I went up to the Yates, we originally sat down at McMaster, decided to, to change sides to western, and just so happened to sit behind uh, your dad, and I do like to, you know, vocalize my opinions throughout the game. And, you know, he maybe took offense to some things I said. But, you know, I hope there's no hard feelings between. No, not at all. He, he, he liked the competition. He gets fired up. He's passionate. So, uh, yeah, he'll take that any day. Uh, now, I do have to ask you, does, does trash talking run in your family? Are you, are you a vocal guy on the field? Uh, I mean, I'd love to. You know, I grew up watching like a lot like the Richard Sherman types, but I'm a, a 5'8", 160-pound corner, so I don't think there's anything I could say that's going to really intimidate uh, a wide receiver across from me. So I just kind of let my play do the talk. Now, going on the other side, are there any particular guys, and if you don't want to name names, are there any particular things that have been said from certain receivers that you, you know, stuck with you over this year? Uh, honestly, no, like I, I, it seemed like throughout the whole season, no one really, uh, tried to get under my skin. It was sort of just like silence the whole time, maybe a couple of remarks here or there, but nothing really stuck with me. I try not to think about that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe it's a short term memory thing or, you know, early onset CTE, but I was talking to a couple of <laughs> receivers and they did say that you maybe not anything bad, but you do like to talk throughout the game to them. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, at times, <laughs> you know, it is football. And I mean, when, when we're playing, uh, you know, I remember in the Toronto game, they're, they're always looking to throw at Lovegrove or uh, Will Corby. And I obviously I'm on the field side, so they threw to the Z probably one time throughout the game. So, you know, I got to fill up time somehow. <laughs> The, the old, like, why don't they throw, tell your quarterback through? Exactly, yeah. It's nothing bad. He, he was a good receiver. I'm just wondering why he's not getting the ball. <laughs> just a little pat on the back. Like, hey, go tell Clay, throw my side. Yeah, actually exactly. Play some football, not just run back. And <laughs> um, speaking of that, especially since U of T has such a, a great, you know, air threat, but we'll, we'll talk about the whole league here. Is there any particular receiver that maybe gave you a little bit more of a challenge? I'm not saying that you lacked in any athletic ability, but, you know, you're looking at film. You're saying, okay, I really have to prep for this one particular person. 
I don't think it's a particular person. I think probably throughout the whole season, our Waterloo prep week was the best. You know, going into that, we're getting Gordon Lamb and Tyler Ternowski. They ran like a deuce set on the field side. You know, they would stack up close together. And that was sort of a, a nod to me that like, hey, okay, they're going to come at me in this game. They're both all Canadians. So I think that was the one week where uh, I really focused and like, hey, these guys aren't uh, aren't to be taken lightly so at all. How, on, on the Waterloo note, how do you prep for that? Who do you have actually repping in on the scout team as your quarterback because you can't just have your your back yeah they, you can't you can't really match Trey's athleticism there, there's nothing I there's nothing bad I can say about him we usually get uh easy and Boku he's he was a he was a senior guy this year he's probably our best athlete best uh best speed guy out there so he would go sideline to sideline just you know give us a look <laughs> I mean, yeah Waterloo is definitely um definitely tough to prep with yeah um it is you know there's Big, big ups to you. You know, you had the three picks early on. Was it three in two games? Yeah. Yeah. So what happened the rest of the season? And I don't mean that in an insulting way <laughs> no, for no. just for people that don't really know football. You know, people that just look at the box scores, you know, big start to the season and then absolutely nothing. Do you want to credit that to the fact that one, obviously you guys have a great defense, the front seven, but also your, your, your secondary as well. Mm-hmm. But maybe quarterbacks are now very aware of who you are and maybe start to look the other way. I think it's it's both of that. Like we all across our defense, we have playmakers. No matter what side of the field you throw at, what side of the ball you run at, it's you're gonna you're gonna meet a really skilled football player. But I think it really came down to what position I play. It's you know it's the field corner. When it comes down to it, that's a lot of space a quarterback has to throw. So I feel like at the beginning of the season, it was like okay, we see a really young guy, undersized, inexperienced. So it's like let's test him at field corner. But once they say okay, he sort of understands the position, we're not going to take those risks of those long throws just for a matchup yeah no for those who don't know cfl is is a very very large field. yeah exactly and for the very short time that i sometimes had to play the the wide out receiver on the field side i knew i wasn't going to get the exactly on, yeah. on, on certain routes um before coming up here i did see a small video i think it was a 45 second video kind of a get to know your player um and you talked about how much you had been watching McMaster throughout the years. You were saying that you were there for the 2010, 2011, I think Yates and the 2014 Vanier. Was it ever, was there ever another school you're even considering or was it as soon as I hear Mac wants me, I'm going to go? Um, I mean, I wasn't heavily recruited. I wasn't any really in a position to be, you know, choosing schools, picking up a hat at a, in a <laughs> yeah. gym with my coaches watching me, nothing like I think, that. I think we're all, we're all kind of, in that yeah, situation. exactly. So like, you know, I actually, I had some light, light interest from Guelph. Um, actually when coach Galloway was there, a very light interest from Toronto, just like, you know, practice squad, maybe a little bit of money type thing. But like Mac, obviously, like I said, I was a huge fan of. So once I heard back, I, no matter what kind of money or guarantees they're going to give me, I wanted to be a Marauder. For those listening, the money is is scholarships and not being paid. Under yeah, table, yeah. Just, just to clarify. Thank well, you. Well, <laughs> you're, you're also in the room here with obviously um, two two walk-ons. When I was in my first year, you're saying you're what, you're 5'8", 160? Yeah. Yeah, my first year I was 5'8", 132, if that makes you feel any Brother, better. Brother, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving Western, I think I was 5'11", 175, so, you know, a little bit of growth there. So, so there's, I, hope, I, there's hope for me. I mean, I definitely, I definitely know that there's <laughs> what is like coming in and being an undersized skill position. Yeah. Once again, that was defensive back Josh Cumber sitting down with Dakota. The full version of that interview with the video can be found on our YouTube channel at the 55 podcast. Um, You know, what was really great and you don't really get this, get all this from the podcast uh, recording that we just put up. But when you watch the full thing and, and watch him break down some plays for a young player, he's got a He's got a pretty solid football IQ when he's looking at some of those plays that you were showing him. Yeah, no, I was definitely... Um, I was expecting him just kind of give me like a, you know, it's pass interference. No, it's not pass interference. But no, he really broke that down. Um, smart kid. Uh, you know, I'd expect some big things, you know, maybe not stat-wise. It might be something you have to look at when you're actually watching a film because, unfortunately, when you are, you know, a corner that gets a lot of stat – or sorry, a lot of interceptions, quarterbacks tend to know not throw your way, especially, you know, he's playing – On the field side. He's playing the field well, side right? corner. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, CFL fields or Canadian fields are wide, wide fields, and quarterbacks don't like to throw all the way out there. Yeah. Um, so maybe quarterbacks might look away from him this year. If you were smart, don't throw that side. But, you know, when you face McMaster defense, 
you, you got you don't really have a lot of choices. You, you got to throw it if somewhere. You, you know, you, you, with their D line and linebackers, you can only go through one or two reads. So you better be smart and get that ball out quick. And there's a lot of ball hawks on that team. Hundred percent. So that'll wrap up the podcast for episode two of our off-season walkthrough tour. There's a ton of more fun video content that you can find on all of all of our socials on Twitter at the 55 podcast or on Instagram at the 55 podcast. You already mentioned the YouTube channel at the 55 podcast. Y'all know the name now. You just type that in and you'll, you, you will find us somewhere. So definitely go check that out for some extra content that you won't get here on the podcast. Um, but that was our McMaster episode for next week. We are heading up. Where are we going? Where are we going? Heading, Where are we going? Heading up highway six to the Royal city to visit the Guelph Griffins. Careful when, careful when you're driving on Highway 6. Speed limits are different going either way. It can be a little tricky. Uh, so definitely, that—that that is, those are wise words, Dakota, to share. And then do we stop at the castle at all? Oh, well. The castle? Oh, <laughs> the manor. Oh, the manor. <laughs> See, I'm not from Guelph. I don't know. This. I stopped uh, at the cannon. I didn't stop at the manor. Uh, we, we, we may have waved at the manor. Um, but yeah, that is... Uh, for next week uh, in Guelph but for now that'll wrap things up for us thank you again to everyone at McMaster for letting us into the stadium and bringing and the Yates Cup absolutely 100% you can't you can't see it right now but we actually brought it back it's sitting in my living room um, and we're just kind of hanging out with it Justice I swear I'll get it back to you at some point but just not now <laughs> so that'll wrap it up for here we're gonna go hang out with the Yates Cup a little bit more we'll see you next week at the 55.